Hi, I'm Naomi and welcome to Every Woman's Story with Stonecroft podcast. And today we are going to be doing something kind of fun because we're actually going to be switching around. Uh, normally I'm the co-host with Elisa Cortez-Bast and today I'm actually the interviewee. So I am going to be um, introducing the people who are going to be interviewing me. That's kind of weird. Try that out for size. <laughs> so I am delighted to introduce Lauren Januzic, who currently serves as the product and marketing manager of Spanish Bibles at Tyndale House Publishing. Lauren has her Master of Divinity from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School and has previous work experience in both local church ministry and overseas missions. So welcome, Lauren. Glad Thank you so you. much for having me. Yes, I'm so excited. And then Elisa, I think you're going to introduce yourself, gal. I know I get to be here every week. So I'm so <laughs> glad to be here today. Um, my name is Elisa Cortez Bast. I am a wife, a mom, a mentor, and a friend. I'm a former pastor and denominational executive that focused on local missional engagement uh, with the local church as well as church innovation. But I currently serve with Naomi as a senior director of program for Stonecroft Ministries. And so, as always, grateful to be with you today and grateful to be um, interviewing Naomi. Naomi, welcome. Why, thank you. I haven't <laughs> seen you in like maybe two hours. <laughs> Good to be with you again. Oh, Naomi, um, how refreshing for us to be able to hear your perspective um, from this additional seat. And so we're really glad to have you um, here um, we're just curious, could you share with us a spark story? What is something, an endearing story, something that really shows um, kind of the essence of who you are um, or a Bible scripture passage, something that would go along with it that would really give us an insight into how God has wired you? Yeah, I'd love to. And something I neglected to say at the beginning was just that if you're joining us, you're like, what are you all about? Um, we are a group of people who believe that every woman has a seat at Jesus's table. And we find our stories and our purpose in God's story, the Bible. And we're going to invite through our time today, a chance for you to do the same. So, okay. A story about me. Well, um, I, once was in a play, there's a, there's a saying of fake it until you make it. And I know that is normally kind of a very, uh, people wouldn't consider that a spiritual saying, but I think sometimes if um, we lean into something, we actually discover the truth of it. And so when I was a little girl, about seven years old, I was in a musical. It was very similar to the musical called Godspell. And in that musical, I think I had one line. <laughs> and interestingly, um, yeah, the, um, the one line was, I love you, Jesus. And that was my one line. Now, at seven years old, I did not necessarily love Jesus because I actually didn't know if I believed in God. But it was so interesting when I said that one line. I remember I had this like, wow kind of like this spark in me, like, wow, what if there really is a God? And what if, what if I really could love Jesus? And later, um, when I would be reading the Bible alone in uh, my room, I prayed to God one time and said, if you are real, would you please make yourself known to me? Will you, will you prove it, God? Will you prove that you're real? And so this idea of kind of sometimes if we're on a spiritual quest, to be able to go, okay, let's let's hold this idea of, I wanna know if God's real. 
And I'm going to say, I want to believe in you. Will you help me know God if you are real? Will you show me what I need to know? So that would be kind of an interesting little spark story. Because I distinctly remember as a little girl, it wasn't just play acting. All of a sudden, I'm like, wow, what would life be like? Naomi, what I love about that is that, um, you know, we often talk about faith communities that someone has to belong before they believe. And so there's this part, that's what that story feels like to me is just the sense of here you are belonging to this group of people who are acting, you know, even at such a young age. And then that moment like happens for you. Um, and I would just be curious, is there anything that you would want to add in that for people who are wondering, like, I'm trying to figure out, like, if I belong or, you know, yeah, if I believe, is there something that I know we're going to talk about that later um, in our time today, but is there something in that that you would like to just add in in that moment, um, just to kind of underscore what that experience felt like for you in that moment? Yeah, I think, um, I think there's this aspect of there, there's a challenge that somebody gave me later in my life, which was this idea of, well, if God is real, then you can trust God to show himself to you. And so why not, you know, why not have a time where you're going to say, I'm going to open up this book. <laughs> I'm going to open up the Bible and I'm going to start like reading through it and asking God. And maybe if I need help from other people or resources, asking for the understanding of what is in here. And the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to learn like the most read book in history, right? And the best thing is, um, and the Bible actually has some verses about this, that if we really want to know God, he is good to answer that. And he'll actually show up and, and show us who he is. So, um, and that's been, that's made all the difference in my life that um, I admitted that I really didn't know God. <laughs> I was just like, hey, I'd like to. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that, Naomi. Um, it's just so fun to get to know you better. Um, I do have one more uh, a question in terms of what makes you feel fully alive? As I was looking at this question, uh, I was really struck by just the creativity of this question because I feel like it's one I want to ask my friends <laughs> because I think it's just such a good snapshot in terms of you know how we get to know people and, and what makes people feel like truly joyful and truly in comfortable in their own skin. So yeah, what does it look like when you feel fully alive, when you're at your best self? What things are you wearing? What are you doing? What are the people that you're spending time with? Oh, wow. I could take that from a lot of different angles, like the family angle, the friends angle. Um, right now, I'm going to take it from the work angle because, you know, most right. of us work. Um, sure. All of us work one way or another. And a mm -hmm. lot of us, most of us work outside the home. And so I've been really privileged to be um, maybe one of the unlikeliest people to be put into leadership because I'm the youngest of eight children and all of my older siblings are very vocal. And for me, even to get a word in edgewise as a little kid, even to get like the milk passed to me at the dinner table was a huge feat. And so, <laughs> so the fact that God would choose me as somebody who was later invited to serve as the uh, president and CEO of not just one, but two um, women's ministries that reach over 100,000 women a year. First was MOPS, Mothers of Preschoolers, and then now I'm privileged to serve with Stonecroft Ministries. Mm -hmm. I think that is really funny. And so <laughs> when I think about Fully Alive then, 
I can think of moments when I'm sitting around with a leadership team and we're really beginning to kind of perceive, yes, the current reality and how to navigate it and a future that's a lot better mm-hmm. than maybe we thought we could have moved toward. And so that moment, um, and sometimes Elise has been part of this, especially, you know, since I've been at Stonecroft and that moment when a group of women, um, or men, we've had men on our leadership team as well at Stonecroft, you know, are together and we're like, yes, God has that for us. So what am I wearing? I am wearing a step below business casual, um, (laughs) you know, business casual is such a weird look, you know, it's like khakis do I even own khakis you know right. and, um, Who has khakis, yeah, has and khakis. leggings but appropriate leggings sure. you know? yeah <laughs> I, it's just a weird genre anyway so something that's actually genuinely casual yeah. and we're relaxed and we're having that space away to dream I think I that would that. be a fully, fully alive moment with my people at work mm-hmm. I love that and it it's so wonderful that you know, sometimes we think of work as something that is apart from ourselves or apart from the things we're passionate about or apart, like apart from even the ways that we are made up. And I love that your story includes that it's, it's been um, such a journey for you, but also that it really embodies your work embodies who you are in a lot of ways. um, And that it brings you a lot of joy. I would love to know even when was that switch for you? Um, You said, you know, you're the youngest of, you know, um, so many siblings. And when did you really start to evolve into that leadership position and start to find joy in that? Because I would imagine there might have been even a gap um, in terms of, you know, this is bringing me anxiety or this is really uncomfortable for me. I'm not I'm not really fully present in this leadership role to fully embracing it. That is such a great question, Lauren. And one of the things I love about this podcast is we really try to help our stories be really real. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, okay, I have never thought about that before. Sorry for putting you on the spot yeah, there. Oh, I love it. I, that's when the good stuff comes out. So I, you know, just to start as a before, because then it'd be nice to know when was the after, you know, mm-hmm. as a child, I had a loud voice and I was quite a bit taller than my peers. And so I remember even when I didn't want to be seen and I didn't want to be heard, I didn't have a choice. Mm -hmm. And so I remember like just one of many times, you know, where I'm trying to like, just go with the flow, be in the crowd and whatever I said or did, it stood out to the teacher who needed to correct, not my peers, but me, because I could be heard and I could be seen. And so Mm -hmm. I think there was a de facto, like, oh boy, I'm going to end up leading whether I think I am or not. Um, But then in terms of embracing it, uh, and that pattern kept happening like my whole life. I got elected president of my freshman dorm without ever running. I got elected president of the business school association at UCLA without, literally without even knowing my name was on the ballot. Um, So this has happened my whole life. I think the comfort level actually maybe began to come when it was my own family. Mm-hmm. when it was when I had children and I knew the heartfelt importance of leading well, it wasn't about selling consumer products for Hewlett Packard or, or <laughs> management consulting for whatever. It right. was about a tribe of children whose well-being I really cared about. And then the leadership um, in that role as a mother, the leadership of saying, I am going to take responsibility 
And I am going to own the influence that I've been given as the only mother these children will ever have. And I'm going to be really intentional about it. So I think that would actually be the first time I kind of took um, leadership really seriously and stopped mm-hmm. denying that it just seemed to come um, into my life un- unbidden. <laughs> sure. So, I love yeah. that. And I love that the transformation happened when there was like a deep relational need behind it. Um, sometimes I think that happens, you know, when, when other people's well-beings are at stake or other people's people, we love dearly, you know, we're sort of more apt to step into those roles. And so I love that, that your family comes into that part of your story. Thank you for bearing with me and sharing that. I really appreciate it. It was a good oh. question, Miss Lauren. That's a great <laughs> question. You can come back anytime, Lauren. Um, <laughs> You know, and, but I, I think that really brings us full circle. You know, uh, Naomi, one of, uh, we're so grateful to have your voice as a contributor for the Every Woman's Story community and how you, were right, you wrote so deeply about um, feeling like not enough. And, and I hear that in the tension of your story. Just, you know, there's, I feel like there's many times in our stories, there's a before and after. And like sometimes the before and after keeps evolving. And so I think you touched on it a little bit there, but I'm, I'm just wondering, um, could you share a little bit more about, um, you know, the story you shared in the being enough, you know, and what it meant for Jesus to affirm in you that you were enough because Jesus is enough. Um, but really just, can you share a little bit more about what that journey looked like? And as I think about our listeners um, who may be wondering if they are enough. Yeah, you know, I, I can. So the, there was, um, a great quote that I actually read recently by Teresa of the Avila. So she's kind of a historic, you know, saint kind of person. I'm a very religious person um, that basically said, um, be effective. We have desires in our hearts that we cannot consummate. And so this idea of we can want to be good. We can want to have um, loving hearts and actions toward others or even discipline and kind of engaging ourselves in a way that seems wholesome. And those desires um, maybe lead us to this gracious point where we realize we can't, we can't fulfill them. And so I, um, maybe it's a good thing that, um, you know, sometimes people will say, well, just give up and just go with the flow. And that wasn't really part of my story. My story was I tried so hard. You know, I, I was the one who brought little treats, you know, in little treat bags to my friends at high school, you know, with cute little notes and, you know, um, being on the student council and blah, 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 right? The whole list. And, and in trying so hard, maybe I expedited the awareness that <laughs> wasn't going to get me anywhere. And so, um, so I think, um, you know, for those of us who feel not enough, I know we all have different ways of expressing our anxiety that we may not be enough. For me, it was action. And that ultimately led me to the conviction that I couldn't, I couldn't be enough. Um, for others um, who I dearly love, it might be more withdrawing. And, um, but whatever it is, I think leaning into the question of, but if I made for a God who is the one who can fulfill all my desires, who is the source of what I'm made for, um, then what does it take to actually come into that? And, and for me, it was really the hunger more than anything else that led me to 
be in a place in my room. It was my college dorm room um, with my dear friend, Carol, and a wonderful woman named Beth, who I'd met, just met Beth, um, and being able to just say, I'm hungry enough to ask the question. And so I think I would just encourage any of us, no matter how we cope with that feeling of not enough, shame, fear, guilt, anxiety, whatever it may be, the feelings that arises, it's just to hunger and then to reach out, you know, and, and, um, and especially if you're reaching out to someone whose life you look at, like I knew Carol and she's delightful and she's full of life. And, um, and all the guys liked her too, which was not the worst thing, by the way, as <laughs> so I'm like, she's really nice. She's full of life. And all the guys like her, hmm, maybe I should get to know this gal better and understand what makes her tick. But if you look at someone's life who really has like a beautiful life um, and they're a Jesus follower, I think really leaning into those people and saying, hey, I struggle with this. Can you help me figure it out? Yeah. Naomi, it's, you know, um, what I hear in your story is I hear, I hear the idea of like striving. It's like the hungry to be enough. And then just that, that shift and like hungry to know the God who is more than enough. You know, and and so the hunger never goes away. I think there's a part what I hear you naming in that is that there's, you know, there's a there's a difference between being like hungry, like I tasted something good and now I want more of it, versus like I'm never satisfied and I can't, like I don't know what I have a taste for. I don't know if that makes sense for you. I, um, Lauren, it's been for mm-hmm. our listeners. Um, Naomi is a closet foodie. She's an excellent cook. Don't let her fool you. If you ever trap her in a kitchen, go for it. So um, good to know. <laughs> Um, but there's a part in that where just that, that hungry and never being satisfied, you know, and just feeling like, you know, you're just never satisfied. And then being like, it's so good. I want more. And that's what I hear. I don't know if that resonates with you at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Lauren, I'd like to know too, how does that resonate with you? I mean, I, I definitely, that, Elisa, you captured it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> hungry yeah. heart. I had a hungry heart. I love that. Yes. Lauren. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, when, when I look at my own life and I look at really, really tough seasons, so much of it is, you know, fighting my own insecurities, a lot of it's internal battles, but some of it's external battles, you know, um, I, you know, sometimes play the really dangerous game of comparison and comparing myself with others. And when we talk about, um, and I would love to know your thoughts on this, Naomi, and your experience with it, but just, you know, a lot of times when I say like, I am not enough, um, the lie that is like very closely follows that is, but that other person is, or that person does have enough of X that I don't feel like I have enough of. Um, but yeah, in terms of, you know, this hunger and, um, you know, acknowledging that like we are, we can't be fully satisfied with with things the side of heaven outside of Christ and so that really drives us toward trying like longing to be fulfilled with him and him alone and it really drives that hunger knowing that we actually can't have enough within our ourselves our talents our body image all of these things that we try desperately to fill ourselves with um but yeah I would love to know Naomi that that comparison piece like has your journey um included that at all what has that looked like for you how do you even now fight the lie that you aren't enough but this other person might be in certain ways. Yeah. Um, and my dog is chiming in. If you can hear him in the background, he's like, oh yeah, we she love it. You with that. We love to see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that, um, yes, one of the things that the journey that 
and surprising journey that God had me on. Of, um, my husband and I call it the cosmic tweezers, where it felt like God kind of picked up my head and plopped me into this initial first CEO role that I had a few years back with Mops. And um, is that I've been privileged to get to know, just because it was part of my job, to get to know a lot of very visible Christian women. And that actually helped me with that a whole lot. You know, because initially you're like, oh my goodness, <laughs> you know, I'm on a stage with so-and-so and I just hung out with her in the green room and, you know, am I enough? You know, she seems like she's got everything. And um, I, that has helped unwrap that image because I have seen the reality behind so many women who are some of the most visible women mm -hmm. in Christianity in the U.S. at least. Mm -hmm. And um, and to just see the humanity of each person and to also come to my own conviction of what I really care about is, is each of us, is each person and each of the famous people I've met or whatever, are they a person who is continuing to grow and to be conformed into um Christ's image. I, you know, I definitely took away the, they're on the pedestal, they're perfect thing. But the real question in my, my experience then is, but are they being real and are they allowing God to grow them? And that's the same thing I want for myself. So I think that's really helped a lot. Occasionally now, um, I will, I will. Yeah, I get it, Lauren. <laughs> I think, I think the struggle kind of, is real. Yeah. I think kind of having that experience though, where I was with people who were on incredible pedestals mm -hmm. um, and realizing their humanity really helped me a lot in that regard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I'd say a similar thing though, for me, it may not be the comparison. It can be the disqualifying, mm -hmm. you know, they talk about imposter syndrome. Yeah. The fight mm -hmm. flight or freeze, yep. you know, and how we all head toward some combination of those. And, and I definitely can be like, wow, this situation's too much for me. I'm not enough for that. Mm -hmm. And I know my own inclinations in, in that, which it kind of depends on the day, but, um, <laughs> but um, you know, definitely flight is always one that I would love to be indulging whether I do it or not. Mm. That's good. Naomi, you chose as kind of like an anchor um, passage of scripture, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Can you tell us a little bit more about why um, particularly for this writing, um, what stands out to you in this passage? Like what arrests you about this passage? Yeah, well, um, I think both that idea of grace, you know, this unmerited favor of God for by grace, I'm not going to be saying it exactly from the version. I'll read it in, in a moment, but I'm saying it from the version that it was shared with me the day that I came into faith for by grace, you've been saved through faith. Um, that sense of the grace, I knew I needed it. <laughs> I had tried so many other things that had not worked and were not working to the very day, um, February 5th of my freshman year of college. Um, and then through faith, that felt like, I think it connected with that hungry heart. You know, it was that faith of, okay, it's not, it's not all my things. It's not my self-help formulas or my to-do lists or whatever. It's just, will I, will I extend my belief? And, um, and then, uh, you know, that then definitely, as I wrote about in the article that no one may boast and, 
I knew a thing or two about that <laughs> behavior. And, um, and so that was just like, right, duh, that's totally what I would do. And, um, and then the idea of just this, this freedom and this gift of God, again, it reminds me of that Teresa Avila quote, you know, of, of, we have these longings that literally we cannot fulfill of ourselves. And, uh, and then of course, verse 10, uh, and this is the version I'll read in a moment, the new living translation where it says you are God's masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And, um, I love that. And probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible right now um, is in Genesis, the first verse that talks about the purpose of humanity and the very first word. And I love this. I love this. I love this. I love this. The very first word that the Bible says about why we are here is so surprising. And it makes me think of masterpiece and it is to reign. (laughs) Right? I'm here as a mother. I'm here as a wife. I'm here to be a good friend. And all those Mm -hmm. things are so vital. They might be a form of rain, but literally the first word is such a high estimation Mm -hmm. of what we are here for to rain. And so that idea of um, we're masterpieces who are reigning. That's Mm -hmm. who God says we are. That's crazy. It's awesome. It's really cool. One of the things um, I always appreciate about you, Naomi, and we've been talking this through is just um, your appreciation for beauty and beauty out of chaos. And I love, I love that. I love that this is where your heart is drawn um, in that. Um, Before we get to reading the scriptures, then I would just ask, um, Naomi, what word of encouragement would you give someone who's listening that is saying, I don't, I don't know if I'm enough, like, I hear you saying, Naomi, like, you know, we're, we're workmanship, we're masterpiece, we're well-crafted and we're here to reign. But today I just don't know, like, I don't feel it today. I'm just not there today. What would you say um, to our listeners who are experiencing that? Hmm. The words that come to me as I hear that great question, Elisa, are do whatever you can to abide in God's love because ultimately that is the only source of our enoughness Mm -hmm. and it's the best source of our enoughness. And so, um, that could be, um, looking up a whole lot of Bible verses, um, on websites about love, um, and God's love in the Bible. Um, it could be again, asking the most loving person, you know, (laughs) tell me about that. Not, don't tell me about how you love me. You know what I mean? Tell me about how you know you're loved enough and that you can actually love out of your overflow. And, um, and there are certain, um, what's called a discipleship or spiritual formation habits that have been really helpful to me. And, um, uh, right now, one of them is called welcoming prayer. And it's a very unlikely kind of prayer because you actually take all the things in your life that make you feel icky <laughs> and you basically go, okay, God, I'm going to release my desire for control. I'm going to release my desire for, to have other people love me and think highly of me. I'm going to release my desire for security and safety. And I'm just going to basically say, you know, welcome God, the God who loves me. I'm going to welcome you as I release my tight hold to these things that can make me try to feel enough um, and 
So that would be what I'd say, do whatever you can to abide in the presence of God's love. Thanks for that. Yeah. I know I felt that like I got shivers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have a practice here um, in this community of cycling back to the scriptures and a practice known as Lectio Divina. And it's just a slow reading of the same passage. Um, and we read it from different translations um, because we know that sometimes um, like the different people in our lives, if we hear the same thing over and over again, sometimes hearing it in a different way or a different language um, helps us to receive it in a new way or helps us to see it um, from a new perspective. And so we're gonna go back to Ephesians 2. But I also want to say for those of us who are in this community and this is your first time, we hope you feel welcome. We are, this um, This is our first time we are also doing one of our Lectio Divinas in Spanish. And so this community has participants from every single continent now, we can say that, um, with confidence, even Antarctica. So we are looking forward to sharing that with you in the future. Um, but we just are so grateful for a community that continues to stretch to embody um, every woman around the world so that she feels like she has a place here at God's table. And so um, I believe, Naomi, we're going to start with you um, from Ephesians 2. All right. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 from the New Living Translation. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. All right. Um, I'm going to be reading from the Nueva Traducción Viviente, which is our Spanish translation. Um, and so this is Efesios capítulo 2, versículos 8 a 10. Y dice, Dios los salvó por su gracia cuando creyeron. Ustedes no tienen ningún mérito en eso. Es un regalo de Dios. La salvación no es un premio por las cosas buenas que hayamos hecho, así que ninguno de nosotros puede jactarse de ser salvo, pues somos la obra maestra de Dios. Él nos creó de nuevo en Cristo Jesús a fin de que hagamos las cosas buenas que preparó para nosotros tiempo atrás. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 from the Message Translation. Saving is all his idea, referring to Christ Jesus, and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. Amen. Amen. I love that. Thank you. And thank you all for interviewing me, I guess. Um, anyway, it was, it was a pleasure. It was so fun, Lauren. It was so awesome. Yeah. We appreciate you being with us. This thank you for fun. having me. It was so fun. And Elisa, wonderful uh, to be with you. And thank you for, for leading out today. So as we're closing um, and nearing the end of our time, we just want to um, invite you to continue in knowing that you are invited to be with Jesus at that table and that we believe everyone has that invitation and that you can 
take these words and you can maybe think about what jumped out and maybe you want to write it on your phone. Maybe it's the word masterpiece or obra. Uh, say it again, uh, Lauren. It was it was almost translating. It. it was like work something, obra. Oh, obra maestra. Maestra, yeah. Uh -huh. I was like, that is so cool. That just <laughs> yeah. jumped out at me. Yep. And some word that you want to rem remember about who God says you are and, uh, and keep it someplace um, that you can hold on to that. And then also we want to have you um, join us at our website. We are at um, where you can sign up for, t for daily reading of God's word and reading from Genesis to Revelation from the beginning to the end of the Bible, as well as weekday devotions that you can enjoy with us. So thank you and um, for being with us today and just know you're invited and we're invited today again afresh to find our story in God's story. Great to be with you. Bye.